Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is what to do with progress. Progress is such an interesting word, isn't it? Webster's Dictionary says progress is positive development, usually of a gradual kind, toward achieving a goal or reaching a higher standard. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Both Farmer Dean and I are people who live for productivity. What can we get done to help other people? We ask ourselves frequently. That's kind of how I see the word progress. But there's another description of progress that sometimes gets in my way. It means the general advance of human society and industry over time toward a state of greater civilization. And that's when I ask us, says who? Here's what I mean. Society today continues to look at what's old and it says it's too much work to improve it. So for the sake of progress, let's tear it down. I see it continually. Years ago, while I was dating Farmer Dean, he told me to meet him in a neighboring city of Benson a city called Wilmer. I hadn't been to Wilmer, but only a few times, but I knew where there was a McDonald's. He said, that's where we're going to meet. I happily drove up to the building and second-guessed my sanity when there was no building there, no McDonald's, where it had been a few weeks before. You see, they decided to update the building, so instead of refurbishing or restoring what was there, they completely tore the entire building down and put up a new one, Progress. Down the road from our house, a beautiful field housed a big row of huge stately oak trees that Dean said had been there no doubt since the late 1800s, bulldozed over for more farmland, left in a heap and burned to a crisp. The beauty of nature from yesterday's was given up for progress. And for Farmer Dean and I, we recently watched this thing called progress as we purchased one of the 14 cabins on Lake Corona, south of Painesville, that were being sold and torn down to make way for million-dollar single-family homes. Again, progress. But one of those little cabins had its own kind of progress happening, and that's with me and with Dean. You see, Dean and I felt God talking to us over the past year about expanding Best Life Ministries. The more we prayed, the busier we got. The busier we were, the more tired we felt. And then it hit me, we needed a place for personal and spiritual retreats, a place to rest and meet with God. When the little cabin on Lake Coronas became available, we purchased it, moved it out to the grove and put it behind the little church. Now we're renting it for retreats, event planning, scrapbookers, quilters, and the tired and weary soul that's in need of restoration. There's something so peaceful about this little three-bedroom, full kitchen, wraparound porch cabin I don't know, maybe it's because it's secluded and surrounded by trees and birds. Maybe it's because it's next to the 1900 church. Or maybe it's because Mr. Gilbert Horton from Litchfield, Minnesota, had a vision to provide rest and quiet moments for his guests, and it just emulates from the windows and walls themselves peace, rest. We want to honor his memory. We want to honor God's vision. I think that's what progress really is. I think about how God looks at you and me, especially in today's economy. Here we are, old, broken down with missing pieces and in desperate need of some love and attention. 
As sinful man, we need to be renewed, refreshed, and restored. God doesn't plow over us, demolish us, and start over. No, instead, he works with us. He takes the old and makes it new. He looks at the broken down and refreshes it. And in the end, with his love and forgiveness, we are restored back into his grace. How I wish that real life was that way. I wish that someone somewhere saw the value in the hard work of 112 years and determined that Mr. Gilbert Horton's dream was worth saving all 14 cabins. But the bulldozers came out and the old trees from the 1800s were plowed over. Now summer vacationers who want to look out over the lake will stay close to their own porch and never experience what it was like to be at a resort where part of life was meeting new people and making new friends. Mr. Horton, we're carrying your dream along, from Horton's cabins to Stonegate Lodge to Hadley Cabin. Right now, behind the little church, Hadley sits and is given a refreshing, restoring, and renewed vision, and I am so excited. Continuing on this theme of resorts and cabins from the past and how they served a great purpose in our history, I have the privilege of talking with author, blogger, retired art teacher, and Minnesota resorts historical expert, Ren Holland from Park Rapids, Minnesota. Hi, Mr. Holland. Hi, Kathy. I'm so glad that you're with me today. So, Mr. Holland, I loved this as I researched about old resorts and was studying about my resort that we just bought, the little cabin from the resort, rather. I found out that your parents had purchased a resort in the late 1930s called Rice's Landing, and it was located on the edge of Itasca State Park in northern Minnesota. They turned it into Holland's Resort, and I read that you and your siblings helped work there. So tell us about a few of your favorite things about those days at the resort. Well, that was a special time in my life. Uh, I was very young. Uh, I lived there until I was 13, there was a lot of things going on at the resort at the time because uh, we were located right near Itasca Park, and many people were visiting the park at that time. And uh, so we had close to a half a million people going by our store during the summer. Wow. And uh, so some of them would stop in. And, of course, uh, as a kid, I always enjoyed you know, seeing different people and some of them stayed at our cabins. We had three cabins. And uh, in the fall, we had a, a bunkhouse for hunters. I, I enjoyed being there. Uh, as a young boy, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities, but uh, I did uh, small jobs like filling the pop cooler in our store and bailing out the boats and catching frogs for guests for fishing bass and digging earthworms and for panfish and sometimes helping my dad sane minnows and small things like that. I wasn't old enough to really have a lot of responsibilities, but my sister and I uh, helped around there as much as we could and still had time for a lot of great fun in the country. It sounds wonderful. Now, I read that because of the war that you had to close down. Obviously, those were very difficult days, and your parents started back up again once the war was over. How long of a period did it take for them to get back on their feet? Do you remember? Well, it was, um, we closed the store during the, the war, and uh, I, my father worked in a defense plant in Minneapolis, 
And so I started school there at kindergarten in, in Minneapolis, and, and we were gone one year, and then we came back and opened up the store again. And um, it was a an old-fashioned store that had been and resort that had been built in the 1930s. And so I had a taste of what what the old resorts were like. Of course, my dad was planning to fix the resort up, but the war interrupted everything, and my older brothers uh, quit school and went in the service. And so we were more or less stalled as far as developing the resort. But uh, he did the best he could, and then in 1950 we sold the resort, and uh, that was uh, the end of my experiences there. At, at But it was a great great part of my life and a small part, you know, a small world. And so I have very many vivid memories or memories of that period in my life. Oh, sounds wonderful. So the cabin that Dean and I just purchased was from Stonegate Resort, originally known as Horton's Resort or Horton's Cabin. And it was established in, in 1905. Um, it was on Lake Coronas in Painesville, Minnesota, and was just torn down to put up million-dollar homes single-family homes. And I heard there were many resorts on that lake that flourished. And during the early 1900s through the 70s, resorts were so popular, families enjoyed spending weeks on the lakes. So what kinds of changes made so many of them close down? Well, um, that's a good example of of what's still happening and what happened to the resort that I was just talking about up by the park, Holland's Resort. Um, there's nothing left of that resort. There's a multi-million dollar house now on the grounds where the cabins were. And I uh, imagine now at uh, Stonegate Resort there on Coronas, that's going to make, be, there will be some major changes there with uh, the size of the cabins. But uh, Lake Coronas, for example, I, I was looking up some of the statistics on that and that had uh, 21 resorts on it in the 1930s. Wow. In the and, 1930s. Wow. Yeah, in the 30s. And it started dropping down in the 40s. It had like 17, and then in the 50s, down to 13. Okay. And I, I believe now there's only a couple of resorts on it. Okay. So I know that the resort, it's Bugby Resort, correct? Because they purchased the resort where we bought our cabin from. But what was so sad is that people um, that I know on the other side of the lake were so disappointed because they went in and just plowed over all those big old huge trees. And so now people on the other lake are going to be looking at these big huge million dollar homes, but no trees. Doesn't that seem so sad? Oh. That, is, that is a shame that that happened. Seems so sad. I read on your website, Mr. Holland, which is Ren, R-E-N, Holland, H-O-L-L-A-N-D.com, that last month you spoke to the Hubbard County Historical Society members in Park Rapids about the old Fuller Tackle Shop there. And I saw that it was torn down for a Napa Auto Parts store. And my daddy, Dwayne Yeomans, as a young man, lived in Aiken, Minnesota, and he designed and manufactured weedless fishing lures for the Larson Bait Company. He then moved us all to Honeywell, um, to Eden Prairie, where he worked at Honeywell, and then we moved to southwest Iowa. So he distributed um, to locations all over Minnesota, 
And I'm wondering, because you just spoke to these people, how do you think that the connection between bait and tackle shops and manufacturing connected with drawing those customers to those resorts? Uh, well, I, I have some really uh, firsthand experiences with that, uh, working at a tackle shop. And incidentally, you mentioned um, the Larson Bait yes, Company yes. from Aiken that mm-hmm. your father was involved with. Uh, right. That must have been the fish trap. Yes. Yes, I sold many of those in the tackle shop, those yeah. lures. Neat. Uh, weedless lures. Uh-huh. And they were very popular. Um, but the uh, tackle shop that I worked in, I'd worked in a resort, a modern resort, um, during the early 50s. And then um, in the early 60s, I worked for two summers at a unique tackle shop called Fuller's Tackle Shop. Mm-hmm. It was located at Park Rapids, and it had started way back in 1916, a unique fishing contest and uh, also a window display of uh, the contest entrance fish. And that actually lasted until 1985. So it it became a very uh, popular gathering spot for people that came to town, and they'd come to to this tackle shop to look at the fish that had been entered in the contest and find out what lake they were caught at and what type of fish lure they used, gathered general information, maps, and so on. The entrance that many people entered their fish just to get what they called the Golden Book. It was a 100-page, roughly 100-page booklet uh, that was mailed out during the wintertime to all the people that registered their fish at the, at the tackle shop. Mm, wow. And um, in 1964, it was the peak year, they mailed over 40,000 books oh out to various uh, individuals who had entered the contest and also resort associations and chambers of commerce and so on. Mm, how neat. But um, resorters would, would buy ads in the, mag- in the uh, Golden Book, sure. and then people could plan their vacations around what they found in those golden books. So there was a really unique tie between the actual retail store and the tourists who came to that area. It was about a 25-mile area around Park Rapids, and they also had a store in Grand Rapids. Okay. Okay. That's so neat. So my friend Bill owns Bob's Cabins outside of Duluth on Lake Superior, And he has 16 small, simple, really plain little cabins, no TV, no internet, nothing, just the water. That's what he boasts. And it's right there. I mean, it's a stone's throw away. And they've been there since 1920. And Bill talks every year about selling his resort to the latest builders of progress. How do you feel about the demise of the resorts and the demolition of the cabins? Well, it's very sad to see some of these old resorts disappear, and I can understand a lot, I think, about the difficult choices that the resorters had to make, Mm. especially, you know, during a period of really high real estate prices at around uh, 2000 up to the recession. They were being offered such tremendous prices for their the real right. estate that right. yeah. 
it was pro- more profitable to sell out the resort than to continue it. So uh, depending on their age and various other factors, many of them kind of caved in, and I think we lost many resorts that could have been saved with a little more help or attention to the, the people that were running the resorts. But anyway, they they have uh, been replaced many times by private cabins, and the disadvantages there, of course, uh, I read where there's a resort cabin generated almost six times the dollar amount uh, in the in the community that than a uh, a private cabin. Okay. People were coming and going, spending money, but when the resort closes and that becomes a cabin, or each of those cabins becomes a private residence, there's a loss of uh, many dollars to the community's economy. Sure, I can understand that. And for me, just looking back at the resorts and reading and studying about them, it's just so fun even to see the pictures from the early 1900s of the groups of people that are out on a lake or the men that are fishing and the kids that are playing and, you know, getting to know people. And today's society is so self-absorbed. You know, they're on their cell phones. They're thinking about what they're going to do next that they don't think community-wise anymore. They don't think about engaging with strangers or other people, you know. Um, And I think what an incredibly sad thing. I look at the writings of Mr. Horton, who um, built our resort, and how... He was so um, in tune to inviting guests, and that's what that's what made him start the whole resort, is that he wanted to get away from Litchfield, Minnesota. He was working all the time. He bought this beautiful property, and people came to visit and said, oh, you need to build a guest house. And so he built the first guest house, and then every year would make, you know, add more cabins, and people would come. And they just made an outward focus of making things great, for other people. And I think that's so sad because a resorts, you know, now today that are dwindling and getting demolished and the big, huge single family dwellings, or even the big motels, there are several big motels um, as you travel to like, you know, the North shore that have taken over the little moms and pops. And I feel so sad because it's kind of superficial from the quaint little places that once were So, listeners, Mr. Holland has two great books about this topic. One is called The Edge of Itasca, and the other is The Early Resorts of Minnesota. So, Mr. Holland, tell us how long it took you to write these books and what was involved in your research. And then also, why do you think it's um, important, you know, what's the most important element of resorts today that people are forgetting? What do you think? Well, uh, first, uh, you mentioned the books. Um, the first book took me about two years, and uh, it was more of a local book around about the communities around Itasca Park and the early development of Itasca Park communities and individuals and schools and whatever. Uh, the second book, uh, Early Resorts of Minnesota, was, I think there's like 460 pages in it. It took me about four years of work, uh, gathering uh, photographs, maps, and so on. And then it took probably another year of uh, getting it published and editing and 
to making changes, so it was quite a project. But it's it's a very uh, it's a resort. It's a book that probably is unique. It was very it would it would be very difficult for most people to approach this subject without having the uh, internet available mm. and eBay, where I could you know locate some of the information and resort directories and so on that I could use to get the resorts organized so that I didn't wind up counting a resort twice. In, in other words, resort names continually changed, and it was like chaos when you tried to figure out where the resorts were. Mm, but with the right literature, you could come up with uh, a very uh, reasonable uh, system of getting accuracy. Did I read that you traveled to many of these resorts with your wife to do some research? I visited quite a few of them, but there were so many. There were up to, someone estimated up to 4,000 resorts in the late 1950s and early wow. 60s. Wow. That has dropped, of course, considerably um, down to around 800 now, somewhere in that area. Okay. So the resorts are getting bigger, and the smaller ones are dropping off. And what but, do you what do you think would be the most important thing about resorts that you wish that people would understand today? Well, going to a resort is, is a unique experience. Um, it, it, you're able to take time out from the world, and you can actually live without. Um, television, or you could live without, it's hard to do it, but I mean, you could get by with using your cell phone for just emergencies. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> and uh, you get to slow down a little bit and see the world in a more casual way. Exactly. Yes. And uh, take a breather from some of the stress. Yes. Qualities like, you know, walking out on a dock or uh, having your kids playing in the water. Mm-hmm sitting on the shoreline in the sun, uh, that sort of thing that will carry through. And you'll meet many people at a resort and maybe come back again next year to meet the same people. Yes, isn't And it? the same with the owners. You became mm-hmm. very very close to some of the the guests as an owner. Exactly. I love that. Well, friends, you can find out more about Mr. Ren Holland by reading his blog and purchasing his books at renholland.com. Mr. Holland, I'm so excited to have met you, and I loved our conversation today. Thank you for your hard work in just researching all of those resorts and bringing us more information from history that needs to be um, something that we appreciate, value, and that stays alive. So thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, Kathy, for the opportunity to speak about uh, early resorts. Uh, one of my favorite subjects. Friends, I like to think that this is how God feels about us. He's created and crafted us. In his viewpoint, we're marvelous. But in our viewpoint, we're sinful and shameful. But scripture says that God's son, Jesus Christ, covers our sins because he paid that price for us on the cross when he died for us. Listen to these verses. In Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Something to think about today, isn't it? 
Perhaps you like to think about holding on to the good things of the past and hate seeing them bulldozed over and forgotten. Sometimes I know it's necessary, and then at other times I wonder if we could refurbish and recreate what once was. I'm so happy for all of these great fixer-upper shows. That's what God does in our everyday lives when we let him. He's the ultimate restorer and fixer-upper of our hearts, souls, and minds. Well, if you're listening today and are wondering if there's some great way to continue to hold on to summer, here's my favorite suggestion, a great movie. Hi, this is Riley Erickson for Best Life Ministries with the Bottom Line Movie Review. When the weather is fabulous and the bonfire is blazing in the backyard, you may want to stay outside biking, skiing, boating, or fishing. But if you're facing some rainy days or even have a chance for a short staycation where you want to stay inside, that's okay. Make some time to rest and tune into some great movies. Best Life wants to recommend our top five oldie favorites. From the thriller and suspense category, our number one pick is the Oscar-winning 1944 black-and-white classic movie Gaslight, which will keep you on the edge of your seat with its mystery and drama. It's not rated and has a running time of 114 minutes. The movie stars the graceful Ingrid Bergman as Paula Alquist and Charles Boyer as her new husband, Gregory Antone. After Paula's aunt is murdered, Paula and her new husband move into her aunt's home, but once they arrive, strange things begin to happen. Objects are missing, strange footsteps are heard, and the gaslights throughout the house continue to dim on their own. Romance, murder, and intrigue all wind together to make this great suspenseful movie. Also in the thriller and suspense category is our number two pick. Although considered an oldie, we can never get enough of Harrison Ford in this Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The classic Spielberg movie is set in 1936, where Ford's character, Indiana Jones, is asked to recover the Ark of the Covenant in order to protect it from the German Nazis. Suspense, as well as on-the-edge-of-your-seat action, will keep you interested every moment of the 115 minutes. We found the title for under $10 at some major retailers. This spine-chilling movie that kept you guessing and scared until the end in 1981 is worth watching one more time in 2017. Now, if you've spent too much time on the edge of your seat watching our first two picks, maybe it's time to ease back into the sofa with a couple heartwarming picks from the romance category. With the Minnesota State Fair arriving in late August, it's always fun to think about that fun summer atmosphere and all it has to offer. But if you should want to travel back in time and see what a 1945 State Fair was like in Iowa, tune into our number three pick, Rodgers and Hammerstein's fabulous musical State Fair. This show stars the beautiful Jean Crane as Margie Frake, Dick Hames as her easygoing brother Wayne, and Dana Andrews as the dashing news reporter Pat Gilbert. When the Frake family packs up their old pickup and heads to the Iowa State Fair for the week, anything can happen. This includes lots of romance, fabulous singing, and a happy ending that makes you remember why you love cheese curds, mini donuts, and fair rides. The show is unrated and has a running time of 100 minutes, which is 95 more than it'll take to eat that funnel cake. Now, if a state fair in Iowa puts you in a romantic mood, we think you'll be enticed with the cinematography, cast, and setting that takes place in 1905 Cantaloa, Spain, with the television series and our number four pick, Grand Hotel. A Spanish version of Downton Abbey, but with English subtitles, this show offers three seasons and 39 episodes that run 70 to 80 minutes long. You might have to make some time to watch all the episodes, but look out for the temptation to binge watch. This is another very addictive show with lead characters Jan Gonzalez as Julio and Amaya Salamanca as the hotel owner's daughter, Alicia. 
The story follows Julio as he sets out to secure a job at the Grand Hotel in search of his missing sister, whom he fears has been murdered. A forbidden romance occurs with Alicia, and the series takes you on a journey to search for the missing sister while winding through intrigue, mystery, and murder. Watch out for the ending, as you might need a Kleenex or two. Or maybe three. Finally, we recommend something that might last more than an hour on a stormy night, just in case you've devoted your entire weekend to binge-watching and your to-do list has magically disappeared. For a great detective series, look no further than our number five pick. The eight-season series called Foil's War is set in the Second World War in Sussex, England. Starring Michael Kitchen as Detective Chief Superintendent Christopher Foyle and Honeysuckle Weeks as his assistant Sam Stewart, this non-stop action and dramatic show is self-admittedly completely addictive. You'll find yourself watching one episode and filling your popcorn bowl as the next one begins. Each episode has a self-contained plot and will run between 90 to 100 minutes. Foyle, his assistant Sam, and the police staff deal with crimes like profiteering, the black market, and murder during the early 1940s. Costumes, set designs, even the automobiles, verbiage, and cinematography all create the illusion that you've traveled back in time and are helping solve crimes with the best detective you've ever met. You can find the show currently airing on Netflix. With only 8 seasons and 28 episodes for the entire series, you want to make sure to finish this up over the summer months. Next time rest is in the forecast, come in from outside, stream, rent, purchase, or borrow one of these fabulous movies or TV series for some good entertainment. I'm Riley Erickson. These were our top five, and that's the bottom line. Listeners, next time you see something being bulldozed over, something valuable from the past, Take a moment to think about what you can learn from that time, the time that it stood strong and tall with a dream and a promise. Perhaps there's a fragment of a dream that you can still embrace at a deep level somewhere in your heart and soul. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, help us to continue to go before you with our brokenness and our old stale patterns of sin. Help us to look to you to refurbish, restore, and redeem us by the blood you shed on the cross. And help us not to give up on those around us but hold them up to the great restorer to bring life anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.